Welcome to Saga Craft. Myths, fairy tales, legends, stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner of folk magic. We, we are, are magical, magical fairy godmothers, godmothers in, in training. training. Today, we'll be honoring Thin Places again with another story. This one is called The Road to Ash Mountain. Dusk and early morning have always been my favorite times of the day. Even now, as the current landscape I'm facing is the sharp outline of the city, square and rectangular shapes hidden by the morning shadows. To me, they reveal yet another terrain, the one that was here long before, or one that only some could see. The other world hiding behind this one. My name is Lenariel Blue. And the other world has claimed me a long time ago. I had no choice but to follow. The first dark moon after my 13th birthday, the dreams began. Dreams of a sacred place, a sacred mound, hidden but very much part of a world I was meant to find. And the fair woman, or shining one, as my grandmother Elka would have called her. She also arrived soon after that birthday, illuminating my bedroom at the dark of night as I stared at her in disbelief. She was as beautiful as she was strange, and I would be lying if I said that a great fear didn't overcome me that eve with her presence. But that fear was met with an equal opponent, that of great wonder and mystery. And as soon as I allowed the wonder to fully take over, my body began to respond to its rising. The shining one who came to my bedroom changed the fabric of what I believed was possible. She made the spaces between light and dark dance, forever changing the fiber of my vision and my skin, which also danced and swirled with the same strange light. The longing I felt for her and the world she came from never left me. If anything, it changed me, made me look for it even more, and moved me further and further from the ordinary world. And then there was, of course, the comb she left for me to find the next morning. This comb was unlike anything I've ever seen or touched. It was bone white with a delicate lace-like pattern that shimmered with lifelike movements. And as I combed my fine golden hair, it changed my appearance into one that was almost impossible to still, like liquid or silver smoke, as if the spell that bound me to this place was slowly dispersing. And as I stand here now, watching the morning skies thick with fog, I let my eyes drift beyond the hazy skyline, looking further and further until my vision softens to an unfocused place that reveals the other landscape beyond. I see the old tree shapes and mountain peaks in the distance. I can feel the coldness of the mountain air on my face. I can almost walk into the fog and mist, disappear into it, embrace whatever beings await me there. But I smell a hint of vanilla and coconut and my altered gaze returns to present time. I turn my head slightly to inhale the scent of my favorite goddess, 
as she comes up behind me and wraps her arms around my waist. I feel her warm cheek against my own, which must be chilly and cold, as I have been standing out here in the crisp autumn air for some time, but she doesn't seem to mind. Her warmth brings me back even more. Don't go anywhere yet. The other world can wait, she says, and as always, she is right. I take a deep breath of the dawn air one more time and head back inside to crawl into the warmth of our velvet blankets next to my sweet-smelling Serena. As I drift into sleep, I feel the glow in my heart of love and safety and gratitude for this mostly visible world. My beloved Serena is the only person who really knows everything about me, the invisible and invisible things I carry. She is also part of the tapestry of threads and currents that have kept me part of both worlds and helped me navigate them in balance. I met her on one of my evening walks through the park at the edge of the city. The park was huge and overgrown with massive old trees that held many secret hiding places that most would consider a bit treacherous to explore, especially after dusk. But I had no fear of treacherous terrains and my frequent visits with these great trees gave me quite the advantage and I was able to move around pretty easily even in the dark. Solitude and nature was what I cherished most, so the fewer people, the better. I have grown accustomed to seek out less traveled paths, so I was surprised that when I was about to take a sharp turn into a soft side of the hill towards my favorite patch of juniper trees, I heard the rustling of leaves ahead of me and a figure appeared right around the corner. My heart quickened. As always, I was ready to see any light, shadow, or movement as a possible citizen of the world I was longing to find. But not this time. This figure was that of a young woman, about my age, who was walking rather quickly onto the forest's edge. She gasped loudly when she saw me and dropped something she was carrying onto the ground. I'm sorry if I scared you. I should have said something when I first saw you coming around the bend. I said quickly, feeling badly that I just stood there staring at her as I tried to decide whether or not she was human. Oh, it's okay. I was so lost in thought that I didn't even pay attention to what might be in front of me, she said with a hearty laugh as she quickly gathered the items that scattered at her feet back into her basket. Here, you dropped this too, I said, as I noticed a shiny object that managed to fall near my feet, and without thinking, I picked it up so I could hand it to her. As soon as I touched it, I knew it was not something ordinary, but rather sacred and powerful. It's cool, sharp edges, heavy metal, possibly silver, with a crescent-shaped blade. It made my hand tingle, and the hushed voices that often spoke to me in my dreams started to whisper in my ear. I will take that. Thank you, the young woman said carefully as she reached out her hand. She was close enough now that I could see for sure that she was indeed human but also that she was not ordinary in any way. She possessed a still anchoring power that I could sense as she seemed to slow down time in the moment as our eyes met. I was unable to hide the flash of blue fire in my eyes as I explored the beauty of her features and her dark, serious eyes. It's for harvesting herbs, medicinal and such, she explained coyly, but we both knew it was more than that. Like my comb, this knife held old magic, devotion, and connection to the spirit world. If I didn't know any better, I would think you are one of the fey ones, she said, not entirely kidding, 
I smiled shyly, not sure what she might have glimpsed when her eyes met, but she didn't seem scared or nervous. Would that be such a bad thing if I were? I asked, looking back into her eyes, searching her thoughts. The heart lines between us connecting, speaking, remembering our shared destinies. On the contrary, it would be the best thing that's ever happened to me yet, she said. And you seem to know your way around the park. Do you mind helping me find my way back? I am Serena, by the way. My grandmother's family is from these parts, but I have moved away many years ago, and I'm still getting reacquainted with the land, so to speak. Lena, I said, I'd be delighted to show you the way. I pointed in the direction for us to head out as we both began our long walk back. And for the first time, my heart was filled with a different kind of excitement and wonder, one I have not yet known. I was only 16 and had just met my first and true love. She has been the reason I have wanted to stay in this world since the first time I had the dreams, met the shining one, and received a magical comb. As the sweet memories of our first meeting dissolve with the bright warm sun dancing on our bedspread, I listened to Serena breathing deeply in her sleep. She was up late last night getting everything ready for our journey. This is a big day for us both. One we have been planning for months, if not even years. So many paths and efforts have led us to this moment. I used to think that I had to be alone for this journey, but have found that I couldn't have attempted this without the help, companionship, and wisdom of Serena and all the visible and invisible gifts she carried. My grandmother always said that the world is full of gifts if we are open to receive them. I never knew my parents. My grandmother Elka raised me, and she was the only family I ever felt safe with. After her death, my whole world seemed to fall apart, and I felt very much alone. Looking back, it seems like there was an invisible network that grew from the underworld to call me, follow me, care for me. I don't know if I would have been open to the same dreams that came or if I would have immersed myself in them as intensely as I did if I had loving parents or siblings to share my young life with. Perhaps those were not the gifts that were meant for me. What was meant for me was to dive into the dream world where the veils were thin between who I was here in ordinary reality and to who I might be in the other realm. The first dream showed me a glimpse, not only of the other world beneath our own, but also of my own magic and destiny. The dreams continued every dark moon and gave me insight, like pages in a book, revealing important details and clues that led me to the next chapter. Symbols, places, whispers in a language not known to me, pathways leading to underground tunnels that opened up to exquisite rooms. The patterns on the doors and walls carved into lifelike motifs of roots and branches. Everything was so clear in my dreams, but upon waking, it would all blur again, just enough to keep me wanting more, which always seemed to be out of my grasp. These patterns directed me in waking time, made me pay attention to the smallest shifts in the air, blurred lights, and search for clues into the entry of that world. When I met Serena, I knew that she was part of this pattern somehow because of how she made my heart stir and feel the tingle of lights rise to the surface of my skin. She summoned the truth of my gifts just as I summoned hers. I know she must have seen it that night at the park 
the strange designs dancing under my skin. And yet she kept looking, mesmerized, almost as if she knew this pattern too and had been looking for it. Serena came with her own powerful gifts. She made the grasses move and bow, her own ancestral spirits calling them forth. She, like her grandmother Adele, came from a long line of healers. Adele lived in a small cottage at the edge of town, surrounded by old trees. She had a wood-burning stone with a pot of stew, always ready for sharing. The ceiling strung with drying herbs and roots. She and her home felt like they were part of another world, one long forgotten by most, one that made everything come back to life, visible and invisible living and dead. The first time I met her grandmother, I had to hold back tears, for she, just like Serena, made me feel at home. I knew right away that she was another precious gift this world so graciously shared with me. Well, you two are going to get into all kinds of trouble, she said when Serena first brought me around, and she laughed, shaking her head the deep wrinkles around her eyes settling to their familiar lines, evidence of how dearly she loved to laugh. Adeline Crow was a gem of a woman and a force not to be reckoned with, with a laugh that could disperse the darkest omens. And as she joked and teased me with great ease and comfort, she observed me intently just the same. And I don't mean from the outside. Her small eyes moving past the layers of what was obvious and what was hidden reading my sorrows, confusions, hopes, and my fast-developing love for her granddaughter. I didn't mind her seeing. I trusted her, and perhaps she could tell me who I was and what the other world was that I longed for. You are right, Serena. She is a beauty, but could do with a little more meat on her bones. You must bring her around more often so I can feed her. Granny! Serena's eyes flashed like fire, and we both giggled nervously. What? Isn't that what old women living in the woods are supposed to do? Invite children over for supper? She mused while she poured hot lentil stew into thick-lipped bowls. Serena rolled her eyes at me lovingly as she unwrapped fresh cornbread from a cloth and set it on the table. The three of us shared food and stories like the best of friends. I know so much was said, but I don't really remember what it was exactly, because much of it was not in words. The joyful spirits of the cottage whirled around us, just like Adele's fluffy orange cat took turns weaving through our legs, demanding attention. Now, tell me about these dreams, child, Adeline asked when I was done with my supper. I gave Serena a subtle look, thinking she must have told her granny about them, but she shook her head. I didn't say a word, Lena, just like I promised. The old woman smiled sheepishly. You are not the only one who talks with the other world. I have been living here in these parts for many years and am well acquainted with all kinds of spirits and thin places they come from. They tell me a thing or two and they have told me about you, but I still want to hear the details as they appear through your eyes. So I did. I told Adele everything. I told her about my dreams, about the fair woman, about the world behind the mists, and how close I was to find it, and yet how it always seemed to be out of grasp. But I would never stop looking, the urge growing stronger with time. Adele listened. She asked some questions, listened some more, sat quietly for a time, her eyes drifting above and around my head, 
as if seeing smoke take shape into words and answers. The other worlds beckon to you, Lena, that is clear, and you're meant to travel between them. You have the gifts. But there's something or someone who doesn't want you to truly find these places, or rather, to find yourself. Who would that be and why? I asked, feeling the prickly truth of this with my whole being. The who, I am not sure. The why, her eyes drifted to look up and around again. The why is something or someone doesn't want you to access your full power, which is your birthright. Who is it? Can't you see them, Granny? Serena inquired eagerly. No, child, I cannot. The kind of magic they cast on Lena clouds my vision just the same. This person, whoever they might be, does not want to be seen. So what should I do? Should I keep looking? I asked, desperately hoping the wise woman would say yes, giving me permission. Ha, of course you should. You just have to go through a few obstacles, that is all, she said, and took my hand into her own as she looked into my eyes. Nobody can keep you from what is truly yours, remember. I know a thing or two about that. And then she called to Serena. Fetch my cowrie shells, love. Let's ask the spirits. Find out what they have to say. As soon as she uttered those words, the cottage air thickened, and a strong wind blew outside with a whistling sound. The hair on the back of my neck rose slightly. Adele laughed. Oh, yes, spirits have much to say. She rattled the shells in both hands and blew into her fists with gusto right before she threw them onto a red cloth on the kitchen table. I gasped. The pattern the shells formed was the exact same as the one on the comb left by the fair woman. Adele told us this was more than a pattern. It was a map. Six years have passed since that day, but seems just like yesterday. And time for me has always been negotiable. I could enter a moment that has already passed at ease and fully recall the details, feelings, and sensations in it. The map Serena had put together is laying across our kitchen table, just like Adele's carry shells. I can feel the pull of time inevitably tugging at my spirit and my form, which is getting harder for me to maintain as I watch the intricate lines of my future. A part of me fears that I won't be able to return. A part of me fears that if I do return, I'll be so changed that this visible world and Serena will not welcome me. That will never happen, I hear her words in my mind, which is what she always says when I voice my fears. There's no part of you that scares me and no part of you that I won't love. We finish packing the rest of our provisions, lock the door to our apartment and head out to meet the day and hopefully our destination. It's about a half day's drive to the north side of Ash Mountain where our secret map trail is supposed to begin. And if we make good time, we will arrive just at dusk. Serena drives so I can keep my altered gaze open looking for signs in the clouds and hidden landscapes that drift in and out of visibility. Nervousness and fear rising within me, and excitement too, but it's getting hard to tell them apart. We are close, and I got you, Serena says, as she can surely feel my heart beating faster. Her words and love, like a tether, keep me tied to the car, to her, and to the promise that I must return. I don't know how much time has gone by, but I can see that the colors of the winding road have changed, their hue ominous and dark. The road becomes less and less possible to drive on. We have arrived.
Serena takes her time talking to the spirits of place, introducing herself, stating her intentions and asking for blessing. Then trees and tall grasses move gracefully, responding to her prayers. They're welcoming us. They have been waiting for you, she says. We hike down through the thick branches. Serena is walking by me, her hand in mine. The sounds and smells of this forest are intoxicating to us both. I don't know how long we have been walking. I only know that it's harder for me to tell if there is ground beneath my feet. We come into the open patch clearing just under the tallest cedar trees that frame it like a stage. Thick dusk mists all around. It's eerily quiet, but I know we are watched by many eyes. This is the place, Serena. This is it. This is the thin place, I say quietly, remembering the first dream so intensely that I can feel a part of me's there again. I look at my hands as they appear to become as thin as the mist. Or maybe it's the fog that is obscuring them. I just don't know. My heart races as I look back at Serena, who is strong and solid through the haze. Lena, do not fear. And you are the thin place. Remember you promised to come back to me. And if you don't, there is no world that I won't turn over to find you. She says loudly, her voice far away. I promise I will come back. I promise, I hear myself say my words drifting with the mists as the world I was just standing in and Serena disappear completely and I'm ready to embrace whatever world awaits me on the other side. The end for now. I love that it's a continuation of Lena's story. Me too. (laughs) I didn't have much choice in that. (laughs) I imagine. And... I love that she's anchored by such a strong love connection also. And in turn, that one she loves is anchored by her grandmother and by a long tradition also. It feels like that's going to be really helpful for Lena in her journey through the doors or the gateway of that thin place. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Well, and... It's interesting what other beings support Lena. And it's interesting to look at it from a perspective of when people travel to a place unknown, how important it is to have that anchor holding them here. Because often the people that can travel the furthest are the ones that really need the anchoring. So I I like how that also is integrated here and how it's important to ask for help and have help. I loved the network of powerful women. That was very beautiful to me. Yeah. The network of powerful women, some who remember and some who don't, but who can support the ones who need to remember. I loved that. What was it like to be with Lena again, older now? Lovely. It's been really lovely. I feel like since she came in with the, you know, with the shining ones and with her dreams, she's been a constant companion, yet the world continues to show more and more other players in it and other blessings in it. So I've definitely felt like I needed a little anchoring today and this week as this story was coming through, but it was, it was a pretty lovely experience overall. So did you feel personally pulled in with her? 
I felt more pulled in with Serena and her connection to the spirits of this realm and the magic of the land and connecting to the land. And in many ways, I feel like that's part of her initiation is to know how to hold space for something extraordinary to happen without going over to the other side. But she'll tell us more about that if, if more likely there'll be a story about Serena and her lineage and her coming into power. I look forward to that. And I could feel that strength of Serena when she got to the park and was saying her prayers and taking her time with that and making those connections. And that felt very powerful. Do you sense that Lena is going into this across this thin place or through this thin door and she's going to be facing some shadows she'll be facing all kinds of shadows and lights still unclear how about this i think it's going to be one of many of her going over and hopefully coming back but her story will now begin to evolve and unravel into the truth of who she is. Lots of her questions will be answers and some surprises that are waiting on the other side will be quite exciting. I loved the reinforced idea of that knife in the door in Betsy's story last week and in this week, the idea of grounding heartily here prior to undertaking that journey, you know, bookmarking life. So you can return on the same page. What was interesting and different, though, in this story was she didn't know if she was going to come back the same. Whereas in my story before, my character was very insistent that she was going to be coming back as herself. But it felt like Lena had a sense of there could be a change or a transformation that occurs for her. So there's a question whether or not she's coming back in quite the same way. There's certainly a question. And yes, I love what you're referring to see as the bookmarking of life, just like in Betsy's story last week. It's important. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most important things that we, we do in this ordinary reality, no matter whether we love it being ordinary or we like to go in and out of it being ordinary, that marking that the anchoring, did you say the bookmark, the bookmark of life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really changes things. Yeah. The last time I saw my grandmother in my mind, I snapped a picture of her. And it's amazing to me how it's just the same. Like I remember every detail of that instance uh, in seeing my grandmother. That same idea with this is like I was capturing my grandmother, who is my grandmother right now. But they're capturing what is this moment? What is this reality right now? I find that a little fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the moment, the feelings, the people, the backstory. I like how we can do that with, well, there's parts of our lives sometimes that we wish we didn't have that snapshot of. We could sort of blur the edges, and we can. And some snapshots of the good things, like that night at the cottage when the three women were sitting around the table, really capturing those kinds of moments permanently in our mind so we could 
always connect to them in a darker time because they forever change the fabric of what we know and how we're held in the world. I think that's very important when you face a thin place too, because a lot of the lore around thin places are of people who, you know, have had one too many ales at the pub or something like that and wander in a bit of a confused state across a thin place boundary into another world. And they don't have the wherewithal to set things up for themselves. And so those are the ones who end up coming out years later when everybody they know has grown old and died or something like that. And they didn't have any kind of sense of protection or of knowing the rules of etiquette or knowing the lore, knowing what is possible. Exactly. And how one protects oneself at the same time remains open for adventure, whatever the transformation possibilities are going to be. Well, in an instance like that, what strikes me is if somebody is stepping into that thin place without all of their faculties in place, they are going in subconsciously, unconsciously. So some of their rights may not even be present. Their rights to sovereignty, their rights to self may may not even be online. So how would they come back if that line is so thin they didn't even know they crossed over to that other side? So yes, to the listeners, do not drink in thin places. (laughs) You just never know what will happen. And what happens in the thin place stays in the thin place. (laughs) Or if you do drink in a thin place, make sure you have enough to share with who's ever in the thin place with you. Right. But not whoever's keeping guard. (laughs) We must be sober. (laughs) Well, I think, too, part of the lore of the thin places are if you're a good person or a person of interest, then you might be kept longer. But if you are completely unconscious and um, inspiring in some sort of way, then you're likely to be the one found on the outside of the hill in the morning. Just have a sharpie mustache. <laughs> and, a mess, and a remembrance of what it was like to, to be where with the people who live under the hill or in the mountain or on the other side. Well, it'll be exciting for Lena to find out what's on the other side. She's waited for a long time, and it seems that over time it's gotten harder for her not knowing and having the pull of that other world be so strong. It's like she just had to go and and see what it is. I think her hope is to find the answers, but also when she comes back, she can be more present. She can utilize her gifts that have been cloaked all of her life. And yes, I'm I'm sure she and Serena will get into all kinds of trouble together. I think it's lovely that they have a combination of tradition, training, and lore, and experience, even though Lena doesn't necessarily know or remember what her real place is in it. It seems like a nice balance for them. Yes, I'm very happy that they found each other. Yes. What would you do if you were to go over there? What do you think she will be looking for? Me? Yeah. 
I think she's looking for a part of herself that she knows nobody in this world can really answer or explain. She's looking for others like her because she knows she's different. Perhaps she's looking for a family. Perhaps in some ways she believes that it's suspicious that she never knew her parents. So why is that? Why has nobody told her about her parents? I'm sure she's putting all that together. Nice. I think. We just keep thinking about our impetuses to cross. Mm-hmm. Why do we make those transitions? And uh, how wise she has been in setting herself up to be successful in those transitions and to understand that her calling is there. Well, and I think too, for Lena, in some ways, she wants to feel like she belongs in the world that the only world she really knows visibly. And she hopes that she finds answers to how to belong better here once she has the full understanding of herself and her power. And she knows the only way to do that is to go fully in and explore that side. Well, it seems like there's a danger there though by crossing that threshold and going into that world. So many stories are of people who, if they cross back and forth between the worlds regularly, are able to cross back and forth, but in some ways they don't belong in either one of them. Or maybe they belong in both of them. It's hard to know, you know, which way it will go. I think we will find out for her if she belongs in both or one, mm-hmm. what the dangers are and who is keeping her from finding herself because there seems to be a resistance to her until now, but it took years. It took nine years from the first dream until now that she has been able to cross. So maybe she's been receiving the training, the appropriate initiations to get her ready. Somebody was testing her will and her desire. Well, and as people say, the universe is very efficient. So could it also be that her timing and going back to that world is about the other world's timing too, for some reason or some purpose? That is a very likely possibility. (laughs) And for Serena, too, what is her initiation with the Thin Place? And how does she feel about being left behind if it were left behind? Exactly. But some promises and oaths that are made in the bright and in love are unbreakable. So she knows these women are are connected. They're bound to each other. So no matter... Where they go, their paths will always be crossing and finding each other. Well, I'm going to take the image of the red tablecloth and the cowrie shells into the next week with me and just be thinking how wonderful it is to have a, a seer who is somebody that you can trust and who's good at what they do, but in such a kind of a casual, homey sort of way like that. I'm going to take the comb. I don't know why it's really captured my memory and imagination. 
So I'm going to focus on the calm and what that calm means to me, that it feels so important. Those are both lovely, lovely things to take into the week. And I will take the connection to others and other people's gifts that inspire and summon and strengthen our own gifts and how much is possible when all those gifts come together in good balance and harmony and how great change is possible when we all show up with our gifts together. There are invisible networks and baskets of hands to catch us and connect us and lead us on in invisible ways. And I'm very grateful for all those hands. I'm very grateful for you and the story. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. It's beautiful. Thank you both so much for listening. And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.